Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome back to the OMI Allergies podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much every platform that you could think of for podcasting. So make sure you're subscribed if you are not already. Make sure you also follow us on Instagram. We've been getting into doing reels lately and those have been fun seeing you guys interact with us on there as well. So make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is at ohmyallergies. Make sure that you take the time to write a review and to rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, now on Spotify. Hopefully your rating and review is five stars and keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. So in today's episode, um, I'm going to be talking about an allergen that a lot of people are either allergic to it or either intolerant to it or have some sort of a reaction to when they are eating it and it is oats. Now oats they're known as being a highly nutritious grain that have so many different health benefits. You know they're used for a popular breakfast meal like oatmeal, they're found in granola, muesli, and other foods and other snacks. However you may actually just wonder whether or not oats actually contain gluten in them. So that's what I'm going to be talking about in today's episode. Is there gluten in oats? And this episode was really inspired by actually a family member, actually. Um, I have a family member that's really just trying to figure out whether or not they are intolerant to gluten or not. And so I was doing this research anyway. And so I was like, hey, why don't I just turn this into a podcast episode? So that's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. But before we get into the meat of the episode, I'm going to tell you guys what's been going on with me. So what's been going on with me, I've actually been watching the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, because those started recently. So really have been watching like snowboarding, speed skating, Normal Hill, you know, different events like that really have been into uh, the speed skating. And so I've been really watching like the short track because I don't think they've gotten to the long track speed skating portion of the Olympics yet Um, but I've been watching a little bit of everything have watched some curling a little bit just because that's honestly sometimes what's on during you know the night or whatever and it's not one of my favorite sports to watch I don't even really understand the point of curling I know for all the people who are out there who like curling whether they do it themselves or 
like watching it, they're like, oh my gosh, like you just said the worst thing ever. But I honestly don't understand it. It's just one of those sports. And I'm just like, okay, okay. Another sport that's kind of similar to that, in my opinion, is like cross country skiing. It's just one of those sports where I'm just like, gosh, like I know that they are like really, 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 really tired. Like afterwards, another sport that's like that is speed skating. Like I was watching speed skating and literally I could see the guys because I was watching the heat with the guys and he was literally gritting his teeth like my thighs are burning me am I almost done like it was so funny but like so relatable because as a person who used to play soccer I understand having to like run or have to use your thigh muscles so much to the point where you just feel like your legs are like noodles and they're just like like just going with the wind and then like when you're done you're just you just want to go on your bed and lay down and snuggle with a blanket and you just want to just go to sleep for like hours so definitely that's how like some of the speed skaters look when they are done and they're just so happy to just be done but honestly I've always been a a big fan of the winter olympics I know like when I talk to like my friends and family I'm like oh are you watching the winter olympics and they're like no and I'm like why do people not watch the Winter Olympics? Just in general, I feel like even this year, people aren't really watching the Winter Olympics for a lot of reasons. Um, but I'm still watching them because there's still some of my favorite athletes like Chloe Kim and Sean White. He was actually one of my first favorite athletes like ever. Just have really been obsessed with him and snowboarding and all the things and all the things he's able to do in his career. Uh, recently, I started following Aaron Jackson and Brittany Bow, who were in speed skating. Um, when Apollo Ono was into speed skating, doing the short track, really followed him a lot. So I've always been a fan of the Winter Olympics. I know a lot more people tend to watch during the Summer Olympics rather than in the Winter Olympics. But I think the Winter Olympics are so pretty to watch, especially with all the snow, even though the snow in this Olympics is pretty much artificial snow. But it still looks pretty and it's so cool being able to see all of the different winter sports and some of the sports that you kind of forget about like the biathlon and all these other different sports. I can talk about the Winter Olympics for a while, but I have been watching that and the Winter Olympic opening ceremonies was so beautiful. And to be quite honest, when I watched it, I was like, wow, like this is this is what I expected Japan to do because of Japan having all of like the advanced technology and being known for being so forward thinking when it comes to technology and using lights and all this other type of stuff like that's the type of stuff I expected from Japan but we didn't get that from Japan so I was like okay I actually like the uh, Beijing one but in 2008 when the Beijing toasted the Summer Olympics I thought that their opening and closing ceremonies were really beautiful so I'm not really surprised but it's just very interesting just watching uh, the Olympics especially during this time but have been watching that also been watching The Bachelor, which has been very interesting just because of the manufactured drama, but like not because the drama is actually good, but because of like eye rolling at the manufactured drama that doesn't even make any sense. Like I am so sick of some of the drama that's on The Bachelor because it's like, okay, like we just want to see these people build relationships. I don't really care about these little stupid games that they play in between these little group dates or individual dates of playing like football and playing like paintball and all these other different activities like I don't care you know what I'm saying like I feel like it's a waste of time to see that and then like 
all the little sprinkled in drama in between like I feel like now a lot of people who watch The Bachelor don't watch it for that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like they are just trying to see the journey. Like that's literally it. Like I don't want a person that's planted on the show to be like this villain to keep staying, even though we all know that he or she should be voted off. I say this every season, whether it's The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, and I still watch next season. So I don't I don't know. I don't know if what I'm saying holds any weight, because even though I'm complaining, I'm probably going to watch the next Bachelorette season. But I have been watching that. Also, um, I've been dealing with a reading slump lately because I've been telling you guys about how I have been really trying to get back on my reading grind. But there's this one book that I've been reading for a month and I've just not been able to get through it. And it's just really making me very annoyed and mad because I'm like how come I can't get through this book now I know why probably because it's like compared to other books I just don't enjoy it as much quite frankly and so I'm trying to push myself to finish this book so that I can just go on to my next book but it's just taking me a long time so have been in a reading slump trying to figure out if I can plan my next book I'm gonna read after I'm done with this book because I'm determined to finish this book I have about like five hours left because I'm reading on my Kindle and it tells me so about like five hours left in this book but I'm like gosh like those five hours it's like taking me a long time to get through this book so hopefully the book gets better so that at the end I'm like okay even though it was very very slow and I couldn't really get into it in the end like it gets a decent rating, but so far I'm not really a fan of it. Another thing I've been up to lately, I've really been getting into meditations. If you listened to the previous episode where I talked about my intentions, at least some of them that I've established thus far for this year, I wanted to get more into doing like sleep meditations right before I go to bed. So I have been doing that and I have seen really great results in me doing that. I do it through the Peloton app. So I do the guided meditations in terms of like the audio only ones. Sometimes I will do the ones where you get to see the video and you use the yoga blocks and things like that. But for the most part, I usually just do the audio only ones and guys, they help so much between using the Peloton app and then using the Fitbit app because they have some meditation specifically for sleep in that app as well. So between using both of those, I've been loving it. My body's been loving it and I track my sleep in the Fitbit app and I've seen a really big improvement. So it's something definitely that I want to keep up with. What else has been going on with me? I think that's pretty much what's been going on with me, at least the exciting stuff. <laughs> but with that being said, I'm gonna get right into my foodie likes. So I feel like my foodie likes lately have been a pretty repetitive and pretty boring just because the foodie likes I want to talk to you guys about have to do with salad because I have been on a salad kick lately. So I have been using the I think the brand is Organic Girl Butter Lettuce because I'm a big fan for butter lettuce. I am a butter lettuce gal. I just love the texture of it for some random reason. And I'm very picky when it comes to my lettuces. So I am not 
a person that is into spring mix or arugula, you will not catch that on my plate. I feel like I'm just eating something that's straight off of a tree or that I picked it from the ground. And I just don't like that taste. I don't like that feeling. So I am much more of a butter lettuce, romaine lettuce type of person. Sometimes iceberg, even though I know iceberg doesn't have that much nutritional value in it. I'm also a kale salad person. So I can do some kale. I love kale. It's one of my favorite leafy greens. But I've really just been liking that butter lettuce from Organic Girl. Um, another thing that I've been liking for my salads is mushrooms. I go and have an off and on relationship with mushrooms. There are moments where I'm like, ooh, mushrooms are delicious. Like, yes, give them to me. And then there's times where I'm like, no, I hate mushrooms. They're slimy and disgusting. Um, right now, I'm on a kick where I really love them in my salads and sometimes in my omelets when I make omelets in the morning. Sometimes I'll put them in my omelet thinking that I'll like them, but then I'll start eating my omelet and I'm like, yeah, no, like I can't do it. So then I'll start taking the mushrooms out. But when I put them in my salads, they taste delicious. So I don't know. I'm kind of just different like that when it comes to like textures and how things are cooked and things like that. So that's just me. Like I'm also that same person that doesn't like tomatoes, but also likes tomato sauce. So to me, it's texture. Texture is everything. Another foodie like that I have that's actually a drink and I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before but recently I started getting the cartons of the Tazo iced teas and the passion tea flavor really love passion tea I've loved passion tea from Tazo for like so many years and I like getting it from like Starbucks or getting the Tazo um, tea like in the tea section or they now have it where you can get the carton of the iced passion tea itself personally I like getting it where it's much more of the tea rather than putting like lemonade or something else in it I just think like the actual flavor of the tea is just really good and nice and fruity and I love that there's no added sugar or really any sugar in these teas as well I'm not really a fan of the teas that are like high in sugar I just don't like how I feel after I drink them like with drinking this type of a tea I feel like the tea is like very clean and it tastes natural and it tastes good and that's like the vibe that I'm going for but those are my foodie likes as of late so with that being said I'm gonna get right into the allergy news So this week's allergy news article comes from CNN Business and the article is titled Financial Advisor Arrested and Fired After Throwing Drink at Smoothie Shop Employees Following His Son's Allergic Reaction. So the whole situation is that the police arrested a man who is accused of yelling at and throwing things at Robix employees after his son had an allergic reaction to a smoothie from their store. And so officers received numerous 911 calls from employees at Robix and they were reporting that there was a customer that was throwing things, yelling at employees and refusing to leave. And so the whole situation was that the guy the dad the father uh took his son to Robix which is a smoothie shop which I used to be a fan of Robix would go all the time when I lived in California and he took his son there they got a smoothie uh they left but when the father and the son were in the smoothie shop he had told the employees to not put peanut butter in their smoothie like in his son's smoothie and 
that was indicated on the receipt apparently. And so they went, they got the smoothie, they left. Then about a half an hour later, uh, the father called 911 requested EMS to come to his house for his child who was suffering from an allergic reaction. And so his child was transported to an area hospital. And so shortly after, uh, the police said that the father went back to the smoothie shop and confronted employees and he was yelling at them demanding to know who made, you know, his son's smoothie because it contained peanuts and caused his child's allergic reaction. And so when the employees did not tell the father which one of them made the smoothie, that the father got very, very upset and started yelling and then threw a drink at one of the employees. And it kind of just went left from there. And so I wanted to talk about this on the podcast because I feel like this type of a situation probably happens a lot more than most people would probably think. Now in this article, the police say that the employees did confirm that the father did say to not have peanut butter in his child's smoothie, but did not say that the child was allergic to peanuts. But at the same time, like, I don't know. What do you guys think about a situation like this? Because if you go to a restaurant and you tell people like the people that work at the restaurant or the smoothie shop or what have you that you don't want a specific food, you know, in whatever you're ordering, you know. So, for example, if you're getting a smoothie and you're allergic to soy, then you don't want soy protein in your smoothie Or if you are allergic to peanuts that you don't want peanut butter in your smoothie, are you at fault for not communicating that you are allergic to whatever the allergen is? Now, the parent did do their part by saying, hey, don't put this in my kid's stuff. But I don't know. Like, do you think it would have made a big difference if the father did say, hey, my kid has an allergic reaction to X, Y and Z allergens. Don't put this in the food. I personally think that, yes. And a lot of people tend to think that, oh, well, if you are saying to omit something, that, you know, maybe you don't like it or something like that. But still at the same time, like if you say you don't want something in your food, then the person who's taking your order, making your order, whatever, should respect that. And I don't think that being like, oh, well, he didn't say that his child was allergic to X, Y and Z allergen that 100% of the blame is put back on the person. Now, do I agree with how the father reacted once his child got admitted to the emergency room because of him having an allergic reaction? No, Um, but I definitely understand the parent's concern and frustration and anger because of the fact that he, from his perspective, said, hey, don't put peanut butter in my child's smoothie. Child has allergic reaction goes back to the smoothie shop and is very furious because the parent said, hey, don't put this in this food. Why did you do it anyway? I don't agree with going on a yelling rampage and throwing things at people. I think that's unnecessary, but I definitely understand that frustration because that's happened to me so many times where I feel like the restaurant staff, smoothie shop staff, what have you, does not take 
whatever you're ordering or your dietary restrictions or whatever seriously but definitely I'm interested in what you guys's take is on this situation so definitely hop over on the oh my allergies podcast instagram we'll do some polls on there get you guys's opinions and definitely send us a message over on the oh my allergies podcast instagram of what you guys think of this story now as always the allergy news article will be linked in our show notes so definitely take a look at our show notes to be able to read the article in its full entirety Um, but definitely I'm interested in hearing what you guys have to say about this one but with that being said let's get right into the meat of the episode which is all about oats and whether they have gluten in them So as I said earlier in the episode, I was really inspired to discuss this on the podcast because of a family member. Like I said, I have a family member that's really just trying to figure out whether or not they have a gluten intolerance or not. And so I was already doing research trying to figure out what foods are gluten-free friendly and which ones aren't. And then I saw oats come up when I was doing research, which is not surprising since oats are really just a hot topic in the gluten-free and celiac communities. So first, to get us started, let's just talk about what is gluten. So gluten, it is a protein that is found in wheat and barley and in rye. And what it does is that it gives breads and pastas like that elastic, chewy texture that we all love. So an example of some foods that contain gluten in them, there are grains. So like whole wheat, wheat bran, barley, rye, spelt, couscous, farro, farina, wheat germ, matzo. There's just so many different grains out there in terms of like processed grain-based products like crackers and bread and breadcrumbs and pasta, seitan, soba noodles that have wheat in them. The list goes on. And then in terms of different foods and beverages uh, that contain gluten, that includes barley malt, malt vinegar, soy sauce. There's some salad dressings out there, sauces and gravies that are thickened with flour, some bouillon, broths, some spice blends. You know, there's just so many foods out there that contain gluten. And that's because gluten is used in food production as either a thickener or a stabilizer. And so it kind of can show up a lot of ways in a lot of different foods. And so when it comes to this whole topic of gluten, there are two different conditions that are usually associated with gluten. There is having a gluten sensitivity slash a gluten intolerance, and then there is celiac disease. So people with a gluten sensitivity will have problems with gluten, but it will be different problems from a person who has celiac celiac disease. So celiac disease, in short, it is a immune disease in which people can't eat gluten because it will damage their small intestines. But the difference, the main difference between a gluten sensitivity and celiac is that with a gluten intolerance and sensitivity, it does not damage the small intestines. Now, typically when you think of gluten, you tend to think of oats and that's due to some brands putting like gluten-free on products like oat milk, and oats and things that have these things in them. So from seeing the gluten-free label on those products, you know, personally, I've just assumed that there must be gluten in them. But then I did a deeper dive into oats and was actually mind blown and wanted to discuss what I found. So if you're gluten-free, you probably won't find this mind boggling or maybe you might, you just never know. 
So although oats are commonly discussed within the gluten-free and celiac communities, oats are not considered a top allergen and oats aren't typically considered to be a source of gluten in a lot of countries. Now, when I first found this out, I was kind of perplexed by this because in my opinion, I would think that, oh, well, if oats have this gluten-free label to them, then if they are accepted as being foods that have gluten in them in some places, then shouldn't that kind of just be across the board and not just be like, oh, well, the U.S. views them as being gluten free and Canada views them as being gluten free or, you know, but a country like, I don't know, like Belgium views it as, you know, being a food that has gluten in them. So I just think it's very interesting, like this whole idea of when it comes to like food regulations and, you know, when it comes to trying to figure out like what countries view what food products as what. I just think it's just very interesting to see kind of like what other countries do, especially in comparison to a country like the U.S. because that's where I'm based, that's where I'm from. So it's just very eye-opening and different. So according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, so the FDA, they consider oats as a gluten-free grain under its gluten-free labeling regulations and only requires that packaged products with oats as an ingredient that contains less than 20 parts per million of gluten overall. Now, parts per million is a ratio to a million. It's basically a way to measure the percentage of one substance as part of another substance. So foods that contain one part per million of gluten contain 0.0001% gluten as percentage of the food, while foods that contain 20 parts per million of gluten contain 0.002% gluten. Now I know that's not a lot of gluten, but really it only takes just a tiny bit of gluten to give a reaction to those who have celiac disease and deal with sensitivities and intolerances. And like in most European countries, they actually allow oats and products to have a gluten-free label on them. And in Canada, they actually allow the use of gluten-free for not only gluten-free oats, but also foods that have oats in them. But the oats have to be specifically grown or processed just to make sure that they are gluten-free and are tested to have a certain PPM of gluten grains. And I think that's like no more than... I think like 20 ppm. So ppm is parts per million. And actually in their purest form, oats are actually safe for a majority of people with celiac disease, while like things like wheat, barley, and rye are not. So I know you're probably thinking, okay, if oats are like gluten-free in their pure form, like why do oats have like the gluten-free label on them? Like how does gluten get into oats? Like, is it magic? Is like, what happens? So I got two words for you, cross contact. Oats become a concern when they come into contact with gluten grains from farming to even processing. And so oats, they're usually grown with other crops that may contain gluten. And then also farmers tend to use the same equipment that are used for those other crops nearby that's typically used for oats. And that leads to that cross contact if one of those crops contains gluten. So even the sowing seeds could have a slight trace of gluten that's coming from the nearby wheat, barley, or rye, which I think is very interesting because when you just think about food and food allergies and all of these things, you don't typically think of like 
cross contact and like kind of how that works, especially if you're new to the world of allergies. But if you're not new to the world of allergies, then you're pretty familiar probably with this term of cross contact. There's actually a term for that whole process that I just described and it's called agricultural commingling, which pretty much means that the gluten grains get into grains that don't have gluten in them during either the growth, harvest, transport, or storage stage. Now, cross-contamination and cross-contact are not synonyms for each other. And I know sometimes I have to even catch myself and like correct myself sometimes because I know that I get them mixed up. So I know I'm probably not the only one who does this as well. So when it comes to cross-contamination, cross-contamination is when a harmful bacteria is transferred to a food from another food or from another surface. And cross-contact is when one food comes into contact with another food and their proteins mix. And so because of that, each food then contains small amounts of the other food. And so these amounts are usually so small that you can't even see it. And so even the tiniest amount of food protein can cause a reaction for those that have food allergies and celiac disease. So cross-contact in this case would be gluten getting into foods that don't have gluten in them during processing. And oats without a gluten-free label are not considered safe for those who have celiac disease and if you have a gluten sensitivity one box of oats may have you feeling fine and okay but then the next box might give you a terrible reaction so it's really just best to completely avoid conventionally grown and processed oats when you are cooking for your friend in your life that is gluten-free whether that is due to a sensitivity or whether it is due to celiac disease and because of all of this specialty gluten-free oats are grown, harvested, and processed in a way that just keeps them away from other grains and being at risk of gluten contamination. And they are usually widely accepted as being safe for those, especially who have celiac disease. And actually over the past few years, just from research that I was doing, manufacturers have actually become more mindful of growing and processing gluten-free oats. And so actually some manufacturers have designated gluten-free fields and started with cleaning their equipment after they are working with gluten. However, since the FDA's gluten-free labeling rules were approved, there are still a number of companies that include oats in their products that are labeled gluten-free that have begun to use oats that are mechanically cleaned and separated to eliminate gluten, which is a practice that is allowed by the FDA. Now, there is still some like debate about whether these kind of oats and the products in which they are used are safe for those that have celiac disease. But usually, as I say, in all these types of episodes, definitely do your research and definitely talk with the medical professionals in your life, your allergists, your gastroenterologists, all those different types of doctors that you have in your life. Make sure that you are talking with them and making sure that you are asking the questions that you have for them and taking their medical advice. Like I say, in all these different types of episodes, I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be a doctor. I'm just discussing based off of research that I've done personally, things that I know uh, based off of different experiences and people that I have in my life that deal with, you know, gluten sensitivities, celiac, things like that. So I'm just talking from all of that realm of experience and background. So two main points to really just know about 
when it comes to gluten-free eating and when it comes to oats is to A, ask your gluten-free friends whether they are sensitive to oats. And when you're cooking for someone that has either like allergies or like sensitivities, it's really just best to communicate and ask questions as much as possible anyway. So just be sure to ask about oats Two, buy gluten-free oats. And if you are cooking for people who are gluten-free, just make sure that you are always buying and using gluten-free oats when you are baking and cooking. Now, there are a lot of benefits to including oats in your gluten-free diet, but it's important to only buy products that are labeled and certified as being gluten-free because this is really the best way to ensure that the oats that you are buying are pure and uncontaminated. So in terms of the types of foods typically have oats in them, like I said, oatmeal, porridge, oat milk, muesli, granola, uh, flapjacks that have oat flour in them, oat cookies, oat bread, oat bran. There's a lot of different cakes and muffins and cookies that have oats in them. So there are a lot of products that are out there that you really need to make sure that if you see oats in the ingredients label that you're looking for that certified gluten, that certified goop. Oh my gosh, I can't say it. Certified gluten-free. Oh my gosh, I cannot talk today. Just to make sure that you are in the clear when you are eating things that have oats in them. And like I said, adding oats to your gluten-free diet can be very beneficial for your health. If you have celiac disease or some similar condition, just be sure that you are carefully reading food labels and you're doing your research on different brands of gluten-free oats as even some gluten-free oats can still have traces of gluten in them. And pure oats and gluten-free oats can be found at just about any grocery store, online market, co-op, you name it. But I hope this episode was helpful, insightful, gave you something to think about. I know there's a lot of confusion in terms of oats, whether there's gluten in them, gluten not in them, what is the deal? So hopefully this was able to provide some sort of insight. Like I said, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be in these types of episodes or just in any episode. Um, but hopefully this episode allowed you to be able to learn something that you didn't know and we'll have some additional resources about this topic and about gluten being in oats and you know a little bit more information about the whole processing of oats just to provide some additional resources and value to this episode but if you all enjoyed today's episode make sure that you hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice follow us on instagram our instagram is at oh my allergies make sure to give us a five star rating and review on apple Podcasts, spotify other podcast platforms as well keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know and i'll talk to you guys in the next episode bye guys